millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. If you didn't hear our conversation last week with Jerry and Stacy, make sure that you catch up. We heard the story of how God called Jerry and Stacy out of a very comfortable suburban American life and gave them the privilege to serve hurting people in Africa and start a ministry called Love for the Least. Then we heard how God called them to go to Iraq just as ISIS was declaring an Islamic caliphate in the region. They had no idea what they were supposed to do. They just obeyed. They just showed up. And it was just as refugees were streaming across the border from Syria, and God gave them amazing opportunities to share the gospel, to help those hurting people. Today we're going to hear part two of my conversation with Jerry and Stacy, and I asked about the Kurds. This is a people group that is fascinating to me. They don't have a homeland. All of their neighbors basically hate them. And I asked Jerry to help us get to know the Kurds and share how the gospel is spreading among them. They're very they're very different than their neighbors. A woman could be president of Kurdistan. Absolutely no problem. Women can do anything there. They can be a big Kurdish mama can be very powerful. No problem you know, whatsoever. Uh, they are open allies of Israel, totally friendly with Israel. And I would say about – they're 98 uh, percent Sunni Muslim, but I'd say in reality about 85, 90 percent agnostic. Um, you can tell on Friday the mosques are empty, the picnic parks are full. Uh, the villages <laughs> the villages are a little bit more uh, Islami, uh, but the cities, it's pretty – they don't really care so much. So they're – that's part of also why they're not liked in the region. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very different. They're, the Kurds are the largest people group in the world with no country. So the majority of them, the biggest number of them uh, are in Turkey. Uh, and then we have Iran, Syria, uh, and Iraq. And one thing to know about the Kurds too is they're not monolithic. They're very different. The Syrian Kurds are kind of the gregarious Kurds. Um, (laughs) If you walk into camp, you're going to be at the next wedding. And they will literally drag you from tent to tent and feed you with the little they have and definitely coffee and tea. And they're going to get mad if you don't come in for coffee and tea and come to their next wedding. We got waved down to have chai on their front porch. Of, uh, <laughs> and like, this was in Camp Domies. And then they're with sign language asking us to have a sleepover with them. So we're, yeah, so the, the, they're the party the, animals. So, so you have to kind of know, again, they're very different. The Iranian Kurds are the, the sweet Kurds. And then the far northern Kurds that we work a lot with, they're kind of the mountain pirate Kurds. They are quite stoic and they have a and a little bit – they're cool. I love Americans. They'll be friendly, but they have a very slow burn. And it takes time and relationship with them to kind of cross that line. But when you cross that line, that acceptance with them, 
you will never have a more loyal friend You're ever. in forever. You yeah. got a best friend for life. So, and, and they feel like they, they're saying is we have no friends but the mountains. And they feel despised. Mm-hmm. For a hard thing for Americans to get with them is we are very transactional and we're busy. And they are the most hyper-relational people we have ever met on the planet. And so this is so ca- counter-American. They absolutely do not care what you have to sell or offer them. Like you could have bars of gold in the car and they are not interested until they get to know you. Yeah. But you so have take to take your watch off and get your teacup yeah. out. Sit on the floor <laughs> and, and just get caffeine poisoning. <laughs> what What is Jesus doing among the Kurds? The, the, well, the Iranian Kurds, Iran itself is just moving so fast, we can't keep up with it. It's the fastest growing Christian country in the world. I mean, we're just trying to backfill what God is doing. It's incredible. Um, the Syrians are Syrian Kurds are Syrians are really open to the gospel. It's just um, hard to get to them. We've been actually kicked out of Syria at the moment, um, but we've we have, also been kicked out of a couple Syrian camps. Yeah, but uh, there, if you can get to them, they're they're quite open, and we're seeing some good movement there. Now, let me. I want to dig into that a little bit. So, who kicks you out of the camp? Like, who who's in charge of the camp that can say no? You can't come here. The camp manager. So we go in there and um, we got busted for doing Discovery Bible Study and they came in afterwards and they threatened the translator. And so, but we live, you know, we learn from that experience. Um, We don't go in anymore. (laughs) We we have pulled the Syrians out. We train them outside the camp where they don't even see us. We send them back in. And they live there. And they live there. So they can't be kicked out. They can't be kicked out. And also, they're not going to be questioned by the secret police for going into their own tent. Right. And sharing and witnessing with their family. So that same camp that we got kicked out of, we now have, what, 20 house groups? Mm -hmm. Twenty. We have two leaders, 20 house groups. So, see, we learned. Right. Praise the Lord. We yeah. don't know what we're doing, but we're, we're getting better. We're also, right. We're also seeing like a lot of dreams and visions. So what is Jesus doing? Man, he's blowing it up from the inside. You just Mumble. say the yeah. guy in white that yeah, you saw? Yeah, let yeah, me that, tell you about him. That's Jesus. Yeah. It's so yeah. easy to land the plane. Right. You, you do not need a slick gospel presentation. Just land the plane. They are so ready for we you. We just tell them about Jesus and they, they accept so quickly that we literally repeat the gospel to make sure that they heard it yeah. right. And they're like, yeah, we heard it the first time. And so what we do is we train everyone. And I would say 90% of what Jerry and I do is just train locals. So we train, train, train. We teach them how to share their testimonies, how to share the gospel. We teach them how to do discovery Bible study, how to become self-feeders of the word. And then we teach them how to form groups. And then we teach them how to form churches. You know, we start off, if they're a yes, we teach them with the seven commands of Christ. Um, Repent and believe, be baptized, pray, um, love, give, worship, share, uh, multiply. And after they go through those seven commands, they get to decide if they want to become a church. Everything is from the Word of God. Everything has loving accountability. Loving accountability is huge in disciple-making. If the lesson is pray, then you need to come up with how you're going to obey Jesus this week based on the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to pray more is not a good obedience point. We will ask you, what days are you going to pray? 
Well, I'm going to pray every day. How long are you going to pray? Well, I'm going to start praying, and I think I can do 15 minutes a day. What are you going to pray? And we might throw in there, it's best if you pray from the Word of God. Because if you pray anything according to your will, he hears you. And if he hears you, you've already got what you've asked. So what should you pray? Oh, I think I'm going to pray the Psalms for 15 minutes every day. Boom. Good, solid obedience point. Actionable. Yes. And you will know next week if you did it or not. Yeah. So it's all based on obedience. I, I love that about your methodology. And it's happening. I mean, you're seeing people, and I'd love for you to share some of the stories of people you're seeing who come to faith and then share their faith and then bring others to faith, who then bring others to faith, and it just spreads. Uh, well, number one, what drives it is prayer and fasting, you know, and that's a lesson for the American church. Um, we kind of want to do everything but pray and fast. We want to program. God wants relationship. So A checklist. Yeah, so you before you checklist. yeah, so before you see a disciple-making movement, there has to be a prayer and fasting movement. And let's we tell the newbie workers again— your first job in the field is to pray and fast. You know, that's your job here right now until you see movement. The second thing is uh, simple tools. You know, my, my rule is if the, if the dumbest person in the group can't do it, it's a bad lesson. Wow. <laughs> that's usually me. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, if I can do it, anybody we, can we do it. We won't have a show of hands on who's the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, we're so in America, like, we're so big on head knowledge. And we have, you know, so many Bible schools and Bible studies and DVD sets and, you know, all this information and not a whole lot of obedience. Um, so, the focus, the, sh- the shift to get what God is doing is again, Jesus says, if you love me, what? Obey. You know, so it's all about obedience. And then it's equipping the locals with simple tools that they can easily replicate. You know, when I see a, um, a Muslim who is open, I'm immediately thinking pastor. I'm already there and possibly apostolic leader. You know, you just give them the tools and coach and walk with them and then you see what they do with it. Um, but if you give them simple tools, then they can replicate easily. That's a huge part of it. There's context. Context matters. Right. So you, you give them the tools and then they have to figure out their context. But, you know, so it's it's not our job to evangelize the Kurds. You know, our job is to train up and coach and equip locals to reach their own people. So we're catalysts, but they do. So our work in the Syrian camps picked up and we stopped going. That's when we had the turnaround, was when we stopped <laughs> going to camp. You right. know, had a paradigm shift. Right. You want to share about like... Yeah, so what this looks like in lifetime was we had a girl flee uh, persecution in Iran. Her cell group got busted up. The leader was thrown in jail. One of the dudes got picked up. He also got thrown in jail. They broke his nose. They broke his arm. He's out of jail now. Um, So the girl, we'll just call her P, fled from Iran, and then we picked her up in Iraq where we live, and we took her into our home, and we began to disciple her and train her, and we taught her these simple tools, how to share your testimony, how to share the simple gospel, how to discover God from yourself using um, Discovery Bible Study. We also taught her how to heal the sick and how to get people delivered from unclean spirits, and then we let her go. And she went out first night and led two prostitutes to faith. And one of the prostitutes was uh, B. And then B begins to hear from the Lord, you know, 
a good shepherd. We hear his voice. We follow him. She goes back into Iran and meets up with her estranged sister. We'll call her H. And H has a 35-year prescription opiate addiction. And she asks her sister, what have you done? You're different. Well, B doesn't want to share because she's scared. And the, her sister keeps pressing her. You are different. What have you done? What I have you done? I see something in yeah, you. Yeah, I see something in you. And so she finally said, I'm following Jesus now. And the, the, the woman, her sister with the opiate addiction, says, I've been wearing this hijab and following this way for 45 years. It's never done anything for me. I'll try your Jesus. So we then, we bring both the two girls back into our country to train them up for four days. And we pray over her, and Jesus instantly delivers her from a 35-year wow. opiate addiction. So we train them up for four days. They're brand spanking new believers. They go back into the country. Both those girls, the sisters, lead both their families to faith. And we've already got a group of 10. That's the last we've heard. I'm just thinking about how easy is it to share when you start out with, I was addicted for 35 years and Jesus healed me. Would you like to meet him? That's it. Well, of course I would. Yeah. How are you going to say no to that? When people in, have a true encounter with Jesus, you are transformed. Thirty, Me, I had alcoholism, and I met Jesus on my knees, boom, 30 years sober. So I know he's real. Mm-hmm. So like when I introduce him, I'm not introducing him to a concept. I'm introducing him to the way, the truth, and the life, and to this Jesus who can set you free from exactly. bondage, because I have been set free. So P, then sh- start sharing the gospel with her sister, who is a lesbian, and her partner, and the two live in Istanbul. They're Iranian, but they're living in Istanbul. And she begins to share the gospel with them. And they're resistant, resistant, until they walk along the street in Istanbul and find a Bible. And they see that as a sign from God. (laughs) Which it was. Yeah, I'm like, hey, bravo. (laughs) And then next thing you know, P and I are leading them to faith over WhatsApp video. Wow. These two girls... We blink. They've already led five people to faith. So that's when we send P into Istanbul to do this simple four-day training of how to share your testimony, how to share the simple gospel, how to do discovery Bible study, just very quickly. We blink, and then they're they're up to 15. So we, uh, Jerry and I, go with P and another girl on our team. And we train up the 15. They all have encounters with Christ when we're praying for them. And they are now up to 40 people. And by the way, they broke up. (laughs) They started questioning what they were doing. And this is not from us preaching, not from us saying a word. I didn't bring up 1 Corinthians 6. Um, In fact, she asked me. She said, I've been a lesbian uh, for a long time, what, what about me? And I said, oh, sweetheart, let's just do the seven commands of Christ first. And if you still have a question after that, let's we can. Let's talk some we, more. Yeah, we'll talk some more. So we, we left that to the Holy Spirit. And not that I wouldn't have told her, right. just wasn't time. And again, the, the thing that happened that, that I just am so blown away by is how quickly it spreads. When it's Jesus just changed me, people notice. I, I I can't keep it a secret because people ask me, like, you're different now. What happened? It's such a natural way to then say, well, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you who who yeah. happened to me. One of the people that you worked with is now in prison in yeah. an Islamic country. Before they went to prison, they spent some time with you. 
getting ready for that experience. And I'd like you to talk about that, how that person prepared their heart to suffer because they will suffer, but also saw this as, well, okay, this is uh, this is going to be a ministry doorway. It's not one I, I would have picked. I didn't want it, but it is a ministry doorway. So they prepared themselves to minister as well. Can you talk? And I don't, I, obviously for security reasons, we have to be a little bit careful, but can you talk a little bit about that process and just being in fellowship with someone who you know is going to go to prison, you know they're going to suffer, that process from her side and also from your side because it's somebody you care about. She was a, a leader. Um, leaders of this network had been arrested. Um, you know, she was roughed up, put in jail for months. Uh, one of her other leaders, uh, you know, tortured, bones broken. And then they have a funny thing there that they uh, let you out of prison for a little bit to visit your family before you go back and serve your long sentence. So she had a three-week break from prison. And if I had three weeks to prepare for that, I would probably be going to my favorite restaurants. And, a lot of steak. Yeah, and probably just going to a lot of baseball games <laughs> and you know doing things I like to do. Uh, and that's not how she approached it. We began to train her. On WhatsApp video, God, thank you for, you know, technology. Yeah, technology. So on WhatsApp video, we we prayed for her. We loved her. And then, see, she had, after seven years, she she had maybe 100, 150 in her network. So she was adding, but she had not learned how to multiply yet. She also saw the change in P. You know, P was in her group and fled from Iraq and— with daily discipleship and an engagement with the word and, and being trained in these simple tool, tools, P completely changed. Mm-hmm. So um, Fariba saw that change. And we can say her name because she's okay. out. There are stories about her. and, and uh, okay. So she's out. And um, so we trained up Fariba in how to multiply and we helped her memorize stories. We also prayed that she would get a Bible in prison. And guess what? She got a Bible in prison. Amen. She's already got a nickname in prison. She is the magic prayer. And she has a <laughs> reputation that when she prays, stuff happens. Jesus answers her prayers. So people go to her for they prayer. They seek her out. They seek her out. Yeah. And we taught her wow. how to, you know, how to form groups and how to multiply. And here's a here's another thing, beautiful thing that happened. So, of all of her followers, they are now crossing the border to where we are, and we are training them up. You know, we got the four day training, initial training, how to share the gospel, how to share your testimony, how to form groups, how to do discovery Bible study, and then they go back into the country. So we think this 150 is going to just blow up with multiplication. Yeah, the enemy can make his move, but God always has the final word. He's got a counter move. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Jerry and Stacy, as we finish up, we always like to equip people to pray. Mm. Um, So I want to ask a couple of prayer questions, and I think first I think of Fariba in prison— how do we how do we pray for her specifically during this trial time, but also ministry time? Right, pray for her to be fruitful, um, that she would be a fertile field, that she would yield a crop thirty, sixty, a hundred times over. Also, pray that she would not lose heart. And um, the the other gentleman that was imprisoned 
nose broken, arm broken. He got out of prison, and during her three weeks out, they got married. So he is actually taking care of her stepdaughter, and um, so you can pray for him as well. Uh, But basically that they not lose heart. And I know when she has prayer victories, when when she multiplies, when she shares the gospel, uh, you know, they're no high like the most high. And and so I know that keeps her keeps her going. And as you already said, she's already been identified in the prison as the magic prayer (laughs) because her prayers get answered, actually. So. As we pray for Fariba and for her husband and their family, Josh, I want to encourage you to pray for them this week. Jerry and Stacy, let's talk more broadly about the work in the Middle East and especially the DMM, the disciple-making movements that are there. How do we pray for those to, to keep advancing? Yeah, I would just start with 30% of Muslims who come in the kingdom come from having a dream or vision of Jesus. Um, sometimes people ask us sort of, why are you doing this? Why are you bothering the Muslims? And we just say, we're just doing what Jesus is doing. You know, he's out in front of us, we're obviously. Just following him around. He, yeah, he has a heart for them. He's reaching them himself. And so all we can do is just trail behind. So uh, it's his heart. So one thing is to pray for more dreams and visions, really press into that. And the good thing is if you're in the U.S., we're asleep over there. So just pray into, pray pray into right their now. dreams while they're sleeping. <laughs> pray right. for Jesus to come because, again, they don't see a prayer card of Jesus or Scandinavian Jesus, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus on a prayer card. They meet the risen Jesus. Like I said, like you just don't need any skill set to land the plane. So it makes our work a lot easier. Would <laughs> uh, you want to say the highway of holiness? Yeah. So our our vision, and it's always good to cast vision. Our vision is to see uh, multiplying healthy house churches replicate from Iran to Iraq to Syria. So we call it yeah. the Highway of Holiness. It's Latakia, Syria to Tehran. Right. It's about we, 900 miles, about 35 million unreached Muslims on that highway. Wow. And we want them all. Amen. Amen. And so we've got, you know, we've got leaders in Iran who are doing it. We also, um, we want healthy multiplying churches in every state in Iran. There are 31 states and we're in what nineteen, so pray that we can get the more. get the other twelve. We want that by what the end of next year, the end of next year. And, and a big wow. prayer point, really, what drives us: we need um, faithful leaders to emerge. Yep, it's all about the local leaders. Every, every single place that VOM works, that's. That's a prayer request. Lord, right. raise up leaders and help Amen. us to raise up because they're going to drive it. We have a joke. We say, "Pray for fat people, F- faithful, available, <laughs> teachable." <laughs> We're all about fat people. Amen. <laughs> Jerry and Stacy, thank you so much for your work. Thanks for sharing your stories. I, I, your passion just radiates off of you, and I appreciate that. Thanks for being our guest this week. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio. Voice for the Persecuted.